0: How about a round of applause for the... You know, I used to be a drummer before I broke both of my legs. <laughs> it just made it virtually impossible, you know. If you've never played the drums, you, there's a lot going on up there. And most of it, or a lot of it has to do with, with pedals, and I can't do pedals. So I missed that, but I sure enjoyed listening to it. Uh, one of my sons became a really, really good percussionist, you know, Chris, um, and we've been fishing buddies and things like that. So it just, every time I hear the drums, it brings back memories of what I can't do. <laughs> you have some of those, don't you? I mean, you, you know, as time goes by, sometimes you just kind of lose hope. Like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Well, maybe not this side of glory, but, um, there's hope. Do they play the drums in heaven? Absolutely. Yeah, I heard them. So um, I have hope that I'll hear them again. Tonight, we'll talk about hope later. This morning, hope now. You know, I had a plan. I'm going to tell you about it. It just didn't work out. I, I told Harold, I, I, you know the candy you used to buy when you were a little kid? They used to call it penny candy. That's funny, isn't it? Penny candy. What can you buy for a penny? Well, in those days, you could buy stuff in a store for a penny. And there was like milk duds and jujubes and, and, and sugar babies and, you know, just all manner of thick kits, uh, Pez. I mean, all kinds of candy. One of the candies I used to have was called now and later. And it was a, it was fruit flavored and it was, you know, came, it was a square. I bought a bunch of those to bring today because I going to preach two sermons called Hope Now and Later. I won't say who didn't get them delivered on time, Amazon. (laughs) So I had a plan. It was going to be really cool, you know. So just use your imagination that I've handed out now and later uh, to kind of remind you of what we're going to talk about today. It is delightful to be here. So often when I come here and I'm honored, honored to be here, I just feel like I'm home i look up and see so many familiar faces and it's, it's just, it's a deep honor. It's just one of my favorite places on earth to be is with you. So I'm glad you're here today, especially if you're a guest visiting with us. I always want to say, you know, come back when I'm not here. Uh, They do this every week. And uh, so if you live in the area and you're not involved in a church, this is a great one as hopefully you have already experienced And I I mean that sincerely. I'm in lots of churches. And so this is a spectacular place to be. Consider becoming part of New Covenant. I'm going to talk about Lazarus today. Uh, It's just a name, even the name Lazarus inspires uh, people because we know what happened to him. Uh, He was raised from the dead. So I'm going to talk about that. It's been an amazing couple of years, hasn't it? I mean, amazing. Um, Five and a half million people that we know of have lost their lives. Um, 860-something thousand in this country alone. Uh, 80, well, you know, it's something like 58,000 in Florida. It's just astounding, really. But the truth is, um, 150,000 people die each day on the planet. Um, 8,200 people die in the United States every day. That's 8,200 families, 8,200 funerals, 8,200. But this past year, two years, has been astounding. I have spoken since I've been here to people who have lost people to COVID since the two years started. Did you know the first fatality in COVID was uh, recorded on January 20th, two years ago? So here we are, two years later. Do we have any hope? I think that's about all we've got, really is hope um, and 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 i want to I want to visit that theme today. Let me read you something. This is called certainty in an uncertain world. We live in a world that's filled with unrest. The only difference between now and the last time i Made that statement is that more unrest the unrest is greater than it was then a great deal of the unrest in our world is brought by the Chilling feelings of uncertainty. This is a terribly uncertain world and he goes on to talk about reading an article uh, Called um, almost everybody in this country is unhappy. That was the name of the article And he goes on about that, talks about some interviews with some people who were. He said, we've seen our dollar battered, uh, battered uh, about abroad and watched the cost of living spiral upwards in this country. Most of us make more money than we ever have before, but it's not going as, as far as what we made 10 or 15 years ago. Economically, it's uncertain. Internationally, there's reports of wars all over the world, skirmishes, impending wars. Physically, it's an uncertain world as far as your own condition, your life. It's uncertain. No one knows whether he or she will be here tomorrow for sure. It's always an uncertain world. Physically, the world is killed by haunting feelings of uncertainty. Things we thought were nailed down are coming up all around us. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. This was written 27 years ago by a seminary professor, a friend of mine. What does that say? I think it says that it's always been uncertain, hasn't it? Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden of Eden. They had some children. The first two, one killed the other. We've gotten off to a bad start. And let's face it, we haven't improved much, have we? Look at the murder statistics. So it's an uncertain world. We need hope. We need some hope, even if that's all we have. Years ago, a submarine sank off the coast of Massachusetts. That's my birthplace, Massachusetts. I'm sure there's a big plaque there somewhere. No, there's no plaque. I just left not long after I was born. My dad was stationed there. That's the only reason I showed up at an army hospital outside of Boston. So this submarine sank off the coast of um, Massachusetts. It It was a collision. And it sank. The entire crew was trapped in this metal coffin for all practical purposes. We feel kind of trapped ourselves sometimes. Every effort was made to rescue this crew, but it ultimately failed. Near the end of the ordeal, there's some divers down there and they're trying to figure out if there's anything they could do. One of the divers hears what he thinks is some tapping inside The submarine and he puts his helmet up against the side of the submarine and he realizes the tapping is Morse code Morse code And in his mind he could figure out because he was trained as a Navy person to understand Morse code And it was repeating the same message over and over again in Morse code Is there any hope? Is there? Is there any hope? We can live for 40 days without food. We can live for eight days without water. We can live for four minutes without air. We can't live without hope. We we have to have hope. It it motivates us, keeps us going. I don't know what you have personally walked through in these last two years or what you walked through in your entire experience, But I want to say to you, in the darkest hours, in the deepest situations, there is hope. I'm actually glad that we've experienced what we've experienced in the last two years. That may sound insane. The hurt, the sadness, the difficulty, all of it. I think there has been good in it. So go with me on this. I think Jesus has been in the middle of all of it. And I'll explain why I think that. The story of Lazarus is a familiar story to most people. People who don't spend a lot of time in the Bible still know about Lazarus. It's in, most of it is in John chapter 11, Gospel of John. So if you're watching at home by television, every time I say that I feel like Billy Graham. If you're watching at home by television, we're going to send you the same literature that we're sending these people here in the audience. If you remember that, you've been around a while. (laughs) John chapter 11, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Does this sound familiar? Was sick. I mean, think about all the times in the last years, two years especially, you've seen stories about someone, a nurse holding up a phone so that they could see their loved one who can't be seen any other way. At a hospital not very far from where I live, I can remember driving by the hospital and I saw people standing outside the hospital with their faces pressed up against the window. And I thought, what is going on in there? They were looking inside at their loved one because that's as close as they could get. They were sick. In some cases, sick unto death. Sick. Lazarus was sick. He's from Bethany. Bethany, two, two and a half miles southeast of the Mount of Olives. So what it says here is it's not far from where Jesus was. But of course, everything is, in, is walking in those days. I mean, you just, it's just not like, hey, let's just go see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. No, it was, a, it was a hike over there. It would take a while to get there. But that's not the point. They were separated, but, but not very far but Jesus didn't go over there. Mary and her sister Martha, this Mary whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So this family is tight. They all know, certainly love each other very much. As far as we know, they're not married, it's two sisters and a brother. And uh, they're apparently pretty wealthy. They have their own household. So they were well-to-do. I mean, she found some perfume and was washing Jesus' hair with it. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's not a guilt trip. It's like, you know, drop everything else you're doing and come over to heal the one you love. They're just saying, this is, this is your friend. He's a friend of yours, and we're a friend of yours, and you are friends with us. We need help over here. Could you send us some help? How many times has that question arisen recently? We need help down here. Please, God, we need help. Some people are in bankruptcy. Some people don't have a job. Some people, are their relationships are falling apart. We need help. Come. When, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Well, now, what did he mean by that? Because Lazarus died. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? What? I mean, Jesus, we need you we 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 need you our, our brother your your friend the one you love is sick could you come jesus purposely stays there two more days so their their request is literally greeted with silence silence did you ever feel that way about our circumstances i mean Between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of what we call the New Testament, 400 years of silence. We don't have any words. We have no scriptures about what happened during that time, the intertestamental period. So you could make a case, I guess, that God was just silent. Where was God? They're waiting for a Messiah to come. Well, of course he did. And this is him about 30, 31 years old. This is all going on. Maybe 32. Because his ministry was only three years, three and a half years. So, they're wanting Jesus to come. We need you. Silence. Is what they received. So, if you feel that way about what's been going on, you you, you feel kind of hopeless. I mean, just hopeless. I get it. They felt hopeless. So, They waited around two days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. In other words, let us not go there to where he is. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. And yet you want to go back there? You're Going back there? Well, this is a little self-serving. They're afraid of what's going to happen to Jesus. Therefore, what would happen to them if they're with him? So, you know, you got roughed up when you went back there. Do you really want to go back there? So, once again, self service. Besides that, they have a request from one of his friends to go over there because he's sick. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. That's a pretty good description, I think, for a lot of people of what we've been going through all our lives in the existence. I mean, I grew up uh, with, with assassinations going on left and right of high profile people. I grew up, I told the first service, uh, I, I went to, to college at LSU, and I can remember during that time, our news director, I was the general manager of the radio station at LSU, cleverly retitled WLSU, and I I was the manager of that place. Our news director was also in the National Guard. We were having some riots on the campus back when people were being killed on the campus, Ohio. And so he got called up because of the riots, and he's in full uniform, and he's got his, with all the other National Guard people, he's got his rifle with a bayonet on the end of it, so... That afternoon, he's standing on the front of the law building at LSU. All these guys in uniform with their fixed bayonets. And he's facing people he went to class with that morning. So this is what we lived with when I was growing up. We look at the times that we're facing now and the situations. Everybody's angry. I mean, one of the words I saw the other day that I think is so appropriate for where we are now is this word languish we're languishing i mean things are just just kind of in a stale period where we're just wondering if we're ever going to be propelled forward you know we i understand that jesus understands that mary and martha's life is paralyzed i mean their brother just died and they're they're really kind of verklept they're, they're concerned about why jesus didn't show up To take care of his friend. We wonder the same thing sometimes. Where is Jesus? Where is God in all of this stuff? And after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Oh, wait a minute. Is that a euphemism? Yes. Yes. Lazarus has died. And his description of it is meaning, if you fall asleep, you'll wake up. So he's trying to set them up for this. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Well, I mean, listen to what they said. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Don't you rest? You know, doesn't resting make you feel better? They're not getting this at all. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Well, we're going to talk about his death tonight because he did. In, in many ways, the, the, the story of Lazarus parallels what's going to happen to Jesus. He wasn't sick, but he was executed, and he was in the tomb, and they had the you get it, you know how this works. So then he told them plainly, "Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Death rate right here is 100 percent. We're not getting out of this alive. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. What? You're glad that you didn't go over there and take care of him so that you may believe. Because you're going to see something you're just not going to believe. But it'll be so profound and so understanding and so overwhelming that it'll be in this book and they'll read about it 2,000 years later. And we are. Let us go to him. Okay, now they're, they're ready to go. Jesus is has spent the time away that he planned, and now he's ready to go. Then Thomas, of course it would be Thomas, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Like, okay, he's going to go over there and we're all going to be dead. And let's face it, eventually all of them were in horrific deaths. Except John. He's the only one that wasn't martyred. The rest of them were martyred in horrible, unspeakable ways. So they were going to die. He just didn't know how. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. He's been dead and buried in Bethany. Which was, as I said, less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. We haven't even been able to do that in the last couple of years. A A year ago, right now, my mother died. She lived in the northwest corner of Louisiana, near Shreveport. My dad had died several years ago. And he was buried in the military section of this cemetery. Career army, she was a career army wife, which is a high calling, and now it's her time. But we can't invite people to the funeral. It was the zenith of not being able to get together. We are all wearing masks. Me, my two brothers are immediate families, our kids, their kids, and the funeral director and a couple of other funeral directors. When it came time to go out to the cemetery, it was a brutal, dismal day. Cold, rainy, had been raining for some time. They put plywood down from the street out there, out to where the plot was. Because they were going to at least attempt to carry the casket out there for the burial. They meant well. There was a tent, and there was only us. So when it came time to carry the casket out there, it was funeral directors carrying the casket out there. And it was on plywood. The plywood began to sink. Water was coming over the top of it. And we're walking out there. And suddenly things started getting a little rocky and missteps. And so my brothers and I stepped over there. And we're actually carrying our mother to the gravesite. Because there's no one else. No one. How sad is that? I mean, normally people would come out to the house, they would bring food, they would... No. No, they couldn't even get together. So, how bad is it? It's been bad. It has. Freely it, it's been very difficult. But like Dr. Fish said 27 years ago, it's always been difficult. Life is difficult. We got off to a bad start. Why did that happen? I'll mention it in a minute. So he found Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's in the tomb. When Mary or Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. <laughs> oh, Martha. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. She immediately thinks, he's talking about resurrection, you know, the great resurrection day. And he's not. He's talking about immediately. I'm going to raise him from the dead. But like, I love Martha, She just lets him have it. She loved him enough. She knew him well enough to say, if you had just been here This wouldn't have happened. I know you could have healed him. You could have brought him back. You could have kept him from dying. The experience of death and the pain that goes with it. You could have done that if you'd have been here. Well, that's not, was not Jesus' purpose. And he was there. We'll visit that in just a second. If he wasn't there in the flesh, he was there. So, What's going on here? How how does such a thing present itself? Well, Martha, Martha had faith that Jesus could do whatever he said he was going to do, whatever that was. I'm sure she was hoping that he would restore the life of Lazarus. But she didn't really know that such a thing would happen. She'd never seen it happen. So she just wasn't too sure of that. So she's kind of fussing at Jesus. But she's also kind of heartbroken that her really good friend didn't show up in time to help. And she has faith that he could do something, but not a lot of faith. Because when Jesus says, remove the stone, her words is some of the most ridiculed words, funniest words, weird words. Especially in the King James Version. Because when he says, move away the stone, she says, behold, he stinketh. you know, what a sentence, you know, behold, he stinketh. Come to think of, it, I can think of my brothers, and I've said the same thing. They've said the same thing to me. Behold, he stinketh. He's been dead, and he's been dead for four days. So don't remove the stone. Jesus knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. He's always had a plan. That's why he showed up late, And he says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus says this, probably the most repeated verse at funerals ever. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's asking us, do you, do you believe this? That if you're in Christ, even though the earth suit that you're walking in right now, that's probably been beat up pretty well. We were talking about hair earlier. I was speaking in Baton Rouge and it was a large crowd and I was talking about heaven. And we'll talk about heaven tonight because we have to, when we talk about Jesus' resurrection. And I was talking about heaven and how beautiful you're going to be there and how perfect you're going to be there. This guy stands up like way back there in this church, Baton Rouge, and I'm talking about perfection. We'll all be perfect. No scars in heaven. The only scars in heaven are on Jesus. The only man-made things in heaven are the scars of Jesus. This guy interrupts. He stands up. I want to know about Hair. Everybody looked at him, you know, he didn't care. And I said, sir, he says, I want to know about hair in heaven. And he was follically deprived. He had no hair. I said, sir, as best I can remember, everybody I saw in heaven had hair. And he said, praise God. And then he sat down. That's all he wanted to know. Perfection. You know, perfection we will be perfect. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm the resurrection and the life. You won't die. Your physical body will die. And we know the conditions that they often wind up in. I mean, think about all those pictures you've seen on the news of people in ICU. You know, on all the machines that they're hooked up to. It's really pathetic. I, I know what that's like. I was in the same situation once. I couldn't really see myself. I'm glad I didn't see myself. People would walk in the room after I had all the contraptions attached to me and they would lose consciousness just looking at me. They were so appalled and astounded and I never saw it. Thank God. I just wish they didn't have to. Yes, Lord. She says, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the God who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back in the house and told Mary, Remember, Mary has not come out. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. So now a little entourage is out there where Jesus is. All the mourners who had come, all the people who cared about them, following her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now listen to this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Can you imagine Jesus troubled? Where have you laid him? Where's the burial place? Where is Lazarus? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then that Legendary, shortest verse in all of the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I can imagine Jesus laughing. You know, here's a man who said, suffer the little children to come to me. So he's surrounded by children. You get surrounded by children, there's some really good stuff to laugh at. They're not purposely comical, but they are. I've got six grandchildren, I get together with them and it's a laugh riot, really, and they're not even trying. Because they're wonderful, they're just wonderful. I do have six of the greatest grandchildren in the history of the world, (laughs) so it is. I can imagine Jesus laughing, but you can imagine Jesus crying, and the Son of God crying? What would he cry over? The loss of his friend, knowing full well he's about to bring him back. But the weeping is the story. That's what this is about. That's why hope lives. That's why we have hope now. Jesus wept with them, he was with them, he understood them. And he was there on both sides before the crisis, and then he came to the crisis, and then the crisis was overcome. He was with them. They were not alone. He cried. Can you imagine Jesus crying? Well, he'd been ministering for quite some time. He'd been all over the area. He had been healing people and they knew that he he didn't always give them the healing they were looking for, but he gave them the healing they needed. He fed thousands with a basket of food. He brought sight to the blind. But this is his personal friend here, Lazarus, who's terminally ill. And Jesus purposely delays going to them. They call out to him. They send a messenger. Come. We need you. Your friend, Lazarus, the one you love, he's, he's dying. Please come. Jesus purposely delays coming. They are greeted with silence. And when he finally does arrive, Lazarus has been dead four days family confronts them, both of them, both sisters. Where have you been? If you'd have been here this wouldn't have happened. And I have, literally, I confess in the past couple of years in particular and there have been other times in my life where I cried out to God, if you if you could just be here and understand what we're going through, then I think I could get through this. I know I have. And I meant it. So I understand Mary and Martha. They loved their brother. They certainly loved Jesus and they thought he could fix it and he does fix it. But first he cries. Instead of pointing his finger at them and saying, why are you talking to me like this? Why are you accusing me of not helping your brother? Instead of pointing his finger back at them or us, why are you talking to me this way? He cried with them. He cried with him. He cried over something he could have prevented. He cried over something he could have prevented. Why? Because this is a fallen world, friends. This is a place racked with sin. Everything is under God's control, under his authority. But at the same time, it's a sinful world. Birthed in Eden. When we were disobedient. Once flawless earth is now racked with sin. And because it's racked with sin, it's full of death. Death. The healer is Jesus. But some don't receive physical healing. Jesus is a healer. We know how the story ends, because we just read it. Lazarus, J- Jesus eventually says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes waltzing out of the tomb, all the grave clothes on, and and he says to them, remove the grave clothes. Let him go. Loose him. Let him go. During the time I was so badly hurt, and the months that I was not able to move at all, I kept thinking about Lazarus (laughs) and those words, loose him and let him go. That's what happened. They did. But listen to this. When his family was grieving these people, he sat down right beside them and wept with them. He was with them in the darkest hours. The darkest hours they had ever known. Jesus sat right next to them in their tears and may not have met them with the healing they originally asked for, but he himself became the healing that they needed. That's what he did. They asked for healing on earth, but instead he gave them comfort from heaven, himself. They asked for intervention, but instead he gave them a supernatural peace that the world can't even understand. He was close in a way they would never have felt if he had done what they wanted him to do when they wanted him to do it. Before he brought life to their brother, he brought life to their faith. He brought life from death. And that's what he does for us in the darkest hours, in the most difficult times. He gets it. And his presence is real. He wept with them. He weeps with us. Tears that have been shed in these ensuing times, difficult times, painful times. He gets it. He can bring, and he does bring, life from death. He does bring life from belief. And he will get us through this. In the midst of the darkest hours, in the midst of the deepest things we've gone through, some of them unspeakable, you haven't ever told anybody. It's just been brutally difficult for many people. Lost jobs, you know, food lines. I mean, just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've been around for 71 years. I've never seen anything like I've seen in these last two years. Unprecedented in our lifetime. Not necessarily in the history of mankind, but unprecedented now. So we need hope. I mean, we may not have very much else. We need hope. Some people don't have any food. They, they've been evicted from their place because they can't pay the rent. I mean, they're, it's tough. You know, they used to say during the Depression, things are tough all over. They are. But Earth isn't heaven's waiting room. We're not just pining away down here until God calls us home. This is a divine drama. This was established from the beginning of the world. This is a tunnel of testing. This is a proving ground. But in the middle of it, Christ is here. The Holy Spirit will defeat Satan's deception. And we win. We have eternity, which we'll talk about tonight, and we have hope now. Jesus showed up, and he didn't just heal them. He cared about them. The Son of God actually sat down beside them and wept. I could just see him putting his arms around Mary and Martha before he knows what he's going to do, which is resurrect the brother. I always kind of felt sorry for Lazarus. He got heaven, and then he lost it. He was brought back here, and he had to die again. I always kind of thought that one of the reasons that Jesus wept was because he knew he was going to bring Lazarus back from heaven. I get that <laughs> myself, personally. I didn't want to come back here. If you've been there, you don't want to be here. But I didn't get asked. I got sent. Heaven is real, and Jesus is the way. We'll, we'll have a chance to find out that's true. But in the meantime, during this time, this, this thing called life, this twinkle in the eye of God, this vapor that comes and goes so very quickly, God is with us. There is hope for a better day because he is here. He cries with us. He laughs with us. He is near to us. Years ago, a man was convicted and sentenced to death. Probably murder. I don't know the crime. But the sentence was death. The governor of that state felt that 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 was a conviction that should be overturned. But what he could do is pardon this man. So he did. He issued a pardon for the man who was convicted and sentenced to death. And the man replied to the governor, I do not want a pardon. I do not want to live. I want to die. Well, they tried to enforce the pardon. You know, you got a pardon. So we're going to release you. We're not going to execute you. This man sued. This went all the way to the Supreme Court. And here's what the Supreme Court said about the death sentence and the pardon that the man would not accept. A pardon is of no value unless a person is willing to accept it. Jesus has pardoned us all. He has given us, through his grace, an opportunity to be with him forever. Not just feel his presence here on earth during the darkest hours, but literally be with him. The definition of heaven is you are with God. With God. Look at Revelation 21. You are with God. That's the best thing about heaven. You're with God. So that opportunity is there. But it won't matter. Listen to me. It won't matter if you're not going. If you don't accept it. It's it's crucial, necessary, that you ask Christ into your life and accept him as Savior so that you'll have eternity where hope reigns. It's perfection. Perfection forever. No death, no dying. As the song said, no more sorrow, no more pain. I want to be in that place. But in the meantime, we have those things to live with here on earth. And Jesus gets it. He gets it. He understands. He purposely delayed so that he could have a teachable moment. He would raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus wasn't just sick. He was dead. Jesus brought him back to life. A picture of what will happen to us someday, but also he was with them. So it's been a tough couple of years in particular, but there's been good in it because in the midst of the darkest hours, the unprecedented pain and suffering and the incredible languish and anger that so many people feel, Jesus is there. And he's always been there, and he's coming back. Hope for today. I mean, I get to meet you here. I've met a lot of people, so if I don't meet you here, I want to see you there. And Jesus is the way until we meet again.